Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 8, if you have it, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Let's read this together. Somebody say, yeah. I like that. Let's go. It says this. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Let me give you a little bit of context. There was this woman by the name of Hannah, and Hannah was unable to have children. She was barren. She was married to a man named Elkanah, and Elkanah, he, he was kind of godly. He loved God enough to worship God, not love God enough to go by the one wife rule, so he had two. And his other wife had multiple children. Hannah had none. And the wife that had kids, she was constantly pushing it in Hannah's face and making fun of her. By the way, the two wife things, it don't work. And uh, this is evidence right here. And Hannah was heartbroken over the fact that, man, I don't have kids. There was a show back in the 90s called uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things. Um, They should have made a show called Husbands Say the Dumbest Things. Because this joker said, babe, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Like, why are you crying over no kids? You have me. (laughs) This message is not for marriage, but for some wives who your husband say things like I say to my wife sometimes, you have to watch at Hannah's godly response. Look how she responded to that thing that he just said. It says, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. You missed it. She said nothing to that fool. She just got up, walked. Sometimes it's so dumb. This is this will save some marriages. Just don't respond. Just I hear Jesus calling me in the other room. Um, she just stood up and she walked out. Says this. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will you give your maidservant a what? A male child. One more pause. Be specific. If you're going to take the energy to ask God to do something supernatural, look at your neighbor and say, just ask. You ever been around somebody? that they want to ask something from you, I'm a get to the point type of person. Don't tell me about the weather. Don't tell me about the birds and the bee. What do you want? I feel like God is like, if you want something from me, ask. None of this, well, whatever your will is, God. You know, if it's not a bother, he said, no, I have given you the mind of Christ. If I have not given you my son, Jesus Christ, how much will I not freely give you all things? She said, I don't just want a kid. I want a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And he shall have dreadlocks until he dies. (laughs) That's what my translation says. 
Hey, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, if we were to be honest, there truly are no words to describe your worth. But God, we do want to say we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, the idea that we can say that we have a relationship with the creator of the universe, God, even the thought is overwhelming. And God, we know that you're in this room right now and you've showed up to do miracles, to speak to us, to take us one step closer to the perfect plan that you have for us. So God, we say as a church, have your way. When you speak, we will obey. And God, thank you for your grace and your favor on the Ravens. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And before you sit down, high five two people. Tell somebody, favor ain't fair. Favor, favor ain't fair. And having Lamar Jackson on your team that's just favor, and it's just not fair. We are concluding our impact series. We've been talking about how God desires to have an impact through us. By the way, last Sunday was our impact offering. And as a church, in one weekend, you gave over $400,000. Come on now, can you? Thank you, thank you, thank you for believing in the vision of this church, for obeying God. And I'm telling you, don't just give and forget about it. He's going to respond to your obedience. Some of you may not have been here last week and haven't had an opportunity to give. And I encourage you to take that step. As you obey God, you're going to see him move supernaturally in your life. As we conclude this series, I want to preach a message today called Next Day delivery. Next day delivery. Anybody finish your Christmas shopping? Anybody? Show of hands. You're done. You're done. You overachievers. You losers. What, what fun. Like you got 10 days. What are you going to do over the next 10 days? Anybody started and you're just not done yet? You started. You got a couple loose ends. That's where I am. I've started. I've bought all the gifts for me. Now I got to figure out. <laughs> you know, you get to an age where you're like, you know, don't even worry about it. I'll just get it myself. Come on, I'm having fun. How many people you have not started? How many people you have not even, oh, bunch of Scrooges? Like, what are y'all doing? I'm having a lot of fun. One more question. How many people you have no intention on getting a gift for anybody? Come on now. Listen, knowing me is a gift. Consider yourself gifted just to be in my presence. That, don't clap for that. That, that, that. The Bible says be generous, not be stingy, but... <laughs> it, it, it's funny when it comes to this Christmas shopping thing. I actually love buying gifts. Gifts is one of my love language, and I love getting it for other people. But I've given up on shopping in an actual mall years ago. I don't got time for the mall. I don't go to the mall. I was actually driving home yesterday, and I made the mistake of taking the route that took me by Columbia Mall. And like two miles away from the mall, I get caught in traffic of people trying to cram into that mall. They're yelling. They're cursing. They're giving everybody the number one sign and all this other kind of stuff. And I was like, you see, that's why I don't mess with the mall. I go home. I don't even use a computer anymore. I pull out my phone, sit on my couch, and I can do all my shopping right there. Online shopping has changed. Like 10 years ago, like if you were going to buy something online for Christmas and get it by Christmas, you had to order it by like October. It's like we have three month shipping. It's the fastest shipping. And it'd be bad because it's three month shipping, but seven days to return it. <laughs> so the return is done before you even get it. And those are back in the days. I, I feel like I grew up in Mayberry sometimes because I grew up in one of those homes where we would bake cookies for the mailman. 
Like Christmas season, we'd bake chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin cookies and stick it in the mailbox. Now I'm older, I'm thinking, that's crazy. If I'm a male person, I'm not eating cookies from some random, there could be arsenic in there, there could be anthrax, like this is America, people are crazy. I ain't eating nothing from any old people, but it used to be the mailbox or FedEx or whatever it may be. Nowadays, deliveries have changed just a little bit. It used to be reasonable and respectable. FedEx will pull up your house, three o'clock, ring the doorbell, actually wait for you to come and open the door, not slam your package and, you know, they're peeling out the parking lot before you even get it. That's not how deliveries happen anymore. Now deliveries don't even happen before 6 p.m. It's like 11 o'clock at night. Some kidnapper van. Am I the only one? Drives by your front door like three times. You're like, what in the world is going on? They pull down your, your driveway. Some dude gets out with a hoodie on. I run to my room, grab the peace that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> Listen, I believe that God's a protector, but just in case, me and Glock, we got this. <laughs> and they'll come up music blasting, drop your package at the front door and walk off. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? But we put up with it because it's convenient, because it's fast. Or at least it's supposed to be. They have three-day shipping. They have two-day shipping. They actually have, like, same-day delivery. You ever seen that? It's, like, on the little ticker. If you order this in the next 43 minutes and 26 seconds, it'll be delivered tomorrow by 11 a.m. And I'm just like, okay, let's do this. Let's do. And the only thing with me is I, and this is probably why I get so many frustrations in my life, I expect people to tell the truth. I figure if I tell the truth, you tell the truth. So if you say it's going to be here next day, I'm assuming it's going to be here next day. And actually, the only reason I ordered it, because I needed, I wouldn't have ordered it if I didn't need it next day. I would have gone to the store and gotten it or something like that. It's cold season, which means it's ash season. And I never buy Jergens until I've ran out of Jergens. So when I order Jergens next day, that means I need it next day. And if my lotion doesn't show up the next day, it's a, pr it's a problem. <laughs> So you click next day, and I don't know, I'm still like a little kid at heart. I get excited over anything, so I'm tracking the package on my phone. You ever done that? You're at work, and they're like, it just left Laurel. It's Laurel, you know, it's three minutes away. It's making its way to Elkridge. Oh, it's an, let it not be shoes. I am like staring every second. It's an elegant city. It's here, it's here. And you know, sometimes I'll get busy throughout the day, so I'm tracking it in the morning. It'll say it'll be delivered by five, and then I, I, I stop checking. But you come home, you drive home, and you look on your front step, and you expect it to be there, and it's not. But I don't get worried because my wife is a lovely wife, and she always goes out and grabs my package. Oh, my wife must have grabbed it. So I go in the house, and it's not on the kitchen countertop where she normally puts it. And I'm like, hey, babe, how are you? How was your day? How are the kids? Okay, great. Where's my package? She's like, what package? What did you order? Nothing came. And I'm like, what? I, I go grab my phone and I look, it was supposed to be delivered today. And it goes from two hours, three hours to your package will now be delivered in the next 30 days. It's like, what? And I don't know. The Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yes, but sometimes you got to take vengeance yourself. When you say next day and it's not going to be next day, I am sending it back. I am writing a review that is designed to make sure nobody ever believes your trifling lying website one more day because you said next day and I'm expecting next. Anybody been frustrated before when something did not come when it was supposed to come? 
Anybody been frustrated before when God did not come through? When you thought he was going to come through? You know, we're in church. Church is the place that you lie. You say things like, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Whole time you're suffering from insomnia, you ain't have a good night's sleep for the last four. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Those bags under your eyes say differently. How are you? Oh, God is good all the time. And all. I didn't ask how God is. I know how he is. I'm asking how you are. Have you ever been frustrated with God? Have you ever felt like, I thought you would have come through by now? I thought I would have been healed by now. I thought that door would have opened, that job, that relationship. God, the creator. Come on now. Sometimes you, I'm too ignorant. You're like, God, you created the world in six days. I know you can rush. I have seen you rush. I've seen you move. Surely you can create a job in more than six months. Hannah found herself in this position where she thought God would have come through and he had not yet come through. Hannah was believing for a child, as many of you in this room are, and doctors said that it was impossible. But Hannah understood that man may say one thing, but I serve a God that speaks a better word. I serve a God that calls things that are not as though they are, that God looks at dead things and calls them alive. I serve a God that is able to create where there is nothing. He is able, and I'm putting my faith, and I'm putting my hope in God. And year after year after year, she was crying out to God. And year after year after year, she saw no response. Have you ever wondered why God hasn't responded, or at least hasn't responded the way that you want him to respond? Can I tell you why God hasn't responded? I can't, because there could be 15 different reasons why. There is no clear cut, here's why God hasn't responded. Here's one option though, it could be that God did respond, but the enemy is blocking it. Do you remember the book of Daniel when he was praying for 21 days that God would deliver Israel? When that angel showed up on the 21st day, he said, from the first day you set your heart towards God for understanding, your answer came from heaven. But for 21 days, the enemy resisted me. I was caught up in spiritual warfare. But because you didn't quit on the first day or the second day or the third day of prayer, more angels were dispatched and we have finally won the battle. Some of you are mad at the wrong person. You're mad at God because you think he said no when he said yes the first day you prayed, but you don't realize you don't live in a spiritual incubator. You live on a spiritual battlefield where there is an enemy that's looking to block all that God has for you. Some of you need to stop complaining to God and go to war against the enemy. Why do I feel like preaching today? So one could be that the enemy's blocking it. Another thing could be God just said no. Try that. <laughs> God, can I? No. Why not? <laughs> but chances are the delay is God saying, you're not ready. The Bible says that Hannah was crying out to God to the point where Eli the priest thought that she was inebriated. Have you ever pursued God to the level where people around you started to question your sanity?
started, you're at church again, you're fasting again, you're praying again, you're reading your Bible again, you're seeking God again. Are you a part of a cult? Like, it does not take all that. What are you doing? You used to hang with me. Now you're so, have you ever pursued God to the level that people started to worry about you? One of the things that I've realized is sometimes God will hold things back from me because my pursuit of him and my pursuit of those things are too cavalier. And he's like, based on the way that you're pursuing me right now, I know if I answer your prayer, you would waste it. And you wouldn't value. Anybody grew up in one of those homes where you didn't get whatever you wanted whenever you wanted it? Am I the only one? Anybody grew up in one of them homes where your parents were like, Jordan who? You get Jordans when you get a job. And to make matters worse, I was homeschooled. So there was no such thing as back-to-school shopping. All my friends are, we're going to get some back-to-school shoes. I got back-to-school socks. Try that on for a sock. I remember I said, Mom, can I get some fun? Because, you see, when we went to get shoes, and this isn't bad or whatever, this is where we were, we didn't go to Foot Locker or Finish Line. We went to pay less. My friends are rocking Timberlands. I had the rugged outbacks. Y'all don't know nothing about the, the rugged outbacks. They got the same Timberland tree. It's just leaning over this way. All my friends had Jordans with the jump man. I had shacks with the dunk man. Y'all don't know, y'all don't know nothing about no shacks. I remember I was 13 though. I went to my mom and said, Mom, we can't keep doing this. Kids are laughing at me. My reputation is trash. Can I please at least get some Air Force Ones? Just won't go stomping in my Air Force Ones. And my mom, my parents, you know, they were so same. They didn't know nothing about culture at all. They're like, oh, you want some shoes? We get you some shoes. So we go down to Foot Locker, like, Mom, I want these ones. So we grab the Air Force, and she turns them around, looks at the price, like, the devil is alive. You lost your. And then you get the your growing speech. I'll buy you those when you stop growing. <laughs> and I'm like, Ma. She's like, here's what I'll do. If you can raise half of the money, I'll meet you halfway. And by the way, I'm not paying you to do the dishes. <laughs> like, you know, Mommy, I have friends. They get paid to vacuum the house and play to do these. You know why you do dishes? Because you want to live. As long as you want to live, you, I'm paying you to do what you should do living here. So back then, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, how do I remember these prices? Air Forces were $70 back then. So I was like, if you get 35 bucks, I'll get 35 bucks. And I mean, I worked for like six months, saved every single penny, did every extra thing I could do, stole money that people dropped. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I had to do, finally I had my $35. This is going to date me. We went down to Shoe City on Woodlawn Drive. Some of y'all Baltimore folks know where Shoe City used to be. It's probably not even open anymore. We went to Shoe City and I walked in and said, can I help you? I said, yes, you can. <laughs> Same. And they weren't Air Forces, they were forces. Came to pick up some all-white forces. They didn't even respect the moment. They ran out, brought them out. It's like, here you go. I said, wait. Don't rush this. Tried them on. Bought the shoes, went home, carried them on. And I'm going to be honest with you. For a season in my life, I struggled with idolatry. I had those shoes for four weeks, and I didn't even wear them. I would just take them out the box and, oh. And then I know it's not right, it's not right, it's not right, it's not right, not right. Any sneakerhead knows you don't just put any shoes on any day. You got to check the weather. You got to check the occasion. You got to make sure that there's an environment that's conducive for the flyness that you're about to bring out. About four weeks after owning 
<laughs> about four weeks after owning it, it was that moment. It was that Kairos moment, that moment when heaven invaded earth. It was a friend's birthday. Time to bring out my forces. I, I lace my shoes up, making sure all the laces are laying flat. My mom's like, we got to go. We're going to be late. I said, mom, here I come. Only sneakerheads know about this. You think I worked six months to save $35 to put creases in my shoe within the first 15 minutes? I'm gonna come when I get there. But I gotta, if you knew how I worked for these shoes, how I prayed for these shoes, how I fasted for these shoes. God says, I wanna send you your husband. I want to send you your wife, that child, that business. I want to answer that prayer. But if I gave it to you so quickly, you wouldn't understand the value of what I'm... But, but when you begin to pursue me, when you come after me like you've never come after me before, when you finally get it, you'll value it. <laughs> Some of y'all try to figure out how to ditch your husband. <laughs> And some people would give their right arm. You see, what Hannah didn't understand is she was praying for a child. But God was planning on giving her a prophet. Hear me. Whenever what you're believing God for takes longer than you want it to take, it's only because it's bigger than you thought it was. There was this horrible song that they used to sing called, I'm a Survivor. <laughs> By the way, can y'all stop calling this Destiny's Church? This is not Destiny's Church. There's no S on the end of it. <laughs> but I'm a Survivor came out. You know us preachers, we're corny as I don't know what. Everybody start preaching series, you know, God's a survivor or what. Listen, he didn't die on the cross for you to survive. He died for you to thrive. For you to, to see exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ever ask, think, or imagine. I feel like half of God's nose is you're praying too small. And I'm waiting for your expectation to get to the level that I can actually respond. For years, Hannah is praying that God would bless her with her children. For years, no response for heaven. Then all of a sudden, in one moment, she received her child. And as I'm looking at this passage, I'm like, what changed? She was praying for years, and as Hannah said, God, you've forgotten me. And then and I don't think it was like, oh, crap, Hannah. <gasps> I was like, what changed? And as I'm reading this passage, I notice her prayer changed. For years, God, give me a son. God, heal my womb. God, believing for a child. God, 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 God. And then Hannah had this thought, this isn't working. Let me change my prayer. God, if, if you give me a son, God, I'll give him back to you. God, if you answer my prayer, I'll make sure that my prayer impacts your kingdom. Right. I have a question for you. If God answered every outstanding prayer you have right now, you know we got the little pending list. We put it in the shopping cart, but we haven't hit place order yet. If God answered every pending prayer in your life, who would it bless other than you? 
If God responded to everything that he's asked, that you're asking of him, would it change the world or would it change your world? Because I've discovered, this is what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 3. It says, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Here we are frustrated at God. And hear me, God's not frustrated at you. But he's like, you don't get it. He said, I want to bless you but not to bless you so that you can go off and just be fine until you need something else from me. I want to bless you. Somebody say, so that. You, you know why the church has gotten so funky when it comes to wealth? Where it's either the one extreme that if you're not outrageously wealthy, God has ignored you and you're not blessed. Or the majority of people, honestly, in this country are uncomfortable with the word wealth. I don't, I, I, I'm content. I'm not asking to be a millionaire. I'm not asking to be a billionaire. I don't need more than enough. I'm just, why not? Yes. You know why not? You know why it makes you so uncomfortable? Because we missed two words in that verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, where he said he's going to make you rich. So that, so that you can be generous on every single occasion. God says, I want to bless you. I want to respond. I want to give you more than enough, but not for you to hoard to yourself, but so that you can be a blessing to those around. We're frustrated at God, and I feel like the world is frustrated at us because God put us here to be a blessing to them. Three things I want you to think about real quick and then we're gonna land this plane. The first thing is this, we need to switch from being a consumer to being a distributor. Yeah. We need to switch from being a consumer to being a distributor. I was watching, just bored watching mindless TV and I came across this documentary that, that follows one of the biggest online um, shopping places in the world. I'm not gonna mention their name, but they prime a whole lot of different things. And <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of marching us through like, hey, when you get on your computer, you order next day or Prime or whatever it may be. Here's actually what happens. And they took you through the whole supply chain and, you know, the item, whatever it may be, it's, it's bottled and it's manufactured, the manufacturing plan. And then from there, it's sent to a distribution center. This distribution center is where all the products that are being sold are sent to. And you may not know this, but Big Brother is watching. They have recorded every purchase that you have ever made in your life. And they actually know based on zip codes around the world, which regions purchase certain types of product. So that distribution center knows which regions are most likely to purchase a certain type of product. So they send those products to a fulfillment center waiting for that purchase to be ordered. So when you order something, it doesn't come from California for DC. It comes from like right down the street because they've been watching you for the last seven years. They're about to order some Jergens lotion next week. This is, yep, 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 it's about that time. They actually, so we're just gonna have it here just waiting. They started talking about this fulfillment center. This building, the one in Maryland, is over 1.2 million square feet. As I don't know what square feet is, what's that? 59 football fields. One building the size of 59 football fields, over 800 employees, hundreds of robots, just waiting for you to click buy now. By the way, it's all a scam. You ever notice they don't even need you to put your credit card information in? Don't worry, we've saved your credit card. Wait, I didn't tell you to do that. 
No, 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 you can trust us. We'll just keep it here. We won't let any other country that keeps on asking, we won't let them see it at all. We're just going to keep it right here. You just click buy now and it's going to be at your doorstep. The second you hit buy now, the, the, the documentary said sometimes within seconds, you hit buy now and a robot goes right to the shelf, A16D, grabs that Jergens lotion off of the shelf, brings it to a person who puts it in a box, tapes it up, puts a package on it, and it's out on the road within hours. So I'm watching this and, you know, pastors, we spiritualize everything. I'm watching this and I feel like the Holy Spirit said as Christians, we don't know where we fall in the supply chain. We think we're the person that is at home ordering from our heavenly account. God, I need some joy. God, I need a healing. God, I need some grace to deal with this traveling person. God, I need this. God, I need that. We think that we're ordering from God, and then we're sitting around next day. I can't wait to get to church on Sunday, man. I'm going to get me a new word. I'm going to get me some joy. I'm going to get me. I'm going to get me. I'm going to get me. And God says, you're not the person that's at home that's ordering from God. You're not even the employee at the fulfillment center. You are the fulfillment center. He said, I have given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. We have to get consumer out of our mind and get distributor into our thoughts. God has called you as a follower of Christ to be the solution to problems around you. The children of Israel, they were in bondage and slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. They began to cry out to God, God, can you deliver us? God never responded. The people of God were in slavery, crying out to God for deliverance, and they, he never responded. So what kind of callous God wouldn't respond? You know why he didn't respond? Because he was too busy talking to the solution. He said, Moses... There's a people that need deliverance, and you are the solution that I've called to be their problem. I don't care that you stutter. I don't care that you stink, and you've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Go because my people ask for something, and I need to respond to them. Don't you understand that when other people cry out to God, God turns to you? And he says, I've given you what they need. Go to the verse in Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 20, no, verse 19. It says this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It says that creation is waiting for believers to say, I'm the one you're looking for. Can I, I'm getting in trouble. That's okay. Unbelievers don't have access to the blessings of God. Because you don't get access without relationship. So when an unbeliever needs joy, they can't go to God to get it. But God wants them to have it because he wants them to experience him, to taste and see that the Lord is good. So when they need something, they go to God and God goes to you. And he said, hey, I've given you more than enough. Go meet that need. Go meet this need. Go meet this need. Go meet this need. Go meet this need. The only problem is we're in this position of God. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And God says, no, go. I'm going to get in trouble. Some of us act like only children. I have two children. I have a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. For the 18 months when my 18-month-old was the only child, all Zoe was like, Daddy, can I have? Daddy, can I have? Daddy, can you make my bottle? God, can you do it? Yeah, yeah, I do whatever you want. Now I got a three-year-old and an 18-year-old, and I got stairs in my house, and I don't feel like walking the stairs. So my eight, three, three month old, she, she, she has like a big girl bed so she can get out. I don't know why we did that, but still got my 18 month old locked up. 
So as soon as the alarm goes off, my three-year-old comes, Daddy, 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 my alarm, my alarm turned green. My alarm turned green. I can wake up now. My alarm turned green. If that's red, don't come out that room. My alarm, my alarm turned green. Daddy can't get some milk. Daddy gets some milk. So we go downstairs, and I heat two bottles, one for Zoe, one for her brother. And I hand her her bottle. She's like, thank you, Dad. I said, no, no, come back here. She said, is Roman up? She said, yeah, Roro's up. I said, cool, go take Roman his bottle. The reason I had two kids is so I don't have to walk stairs anymore. You go, daddy ain't coming. Some of us have this only child Christianity. God, can I have some milk? God, can I have a promotion? God, can I have a spouse? Yes, but can you go take care of your brother? Can you go take some joy to your sister? Can you start distributing? And if you would distribute, I'd make sure that you won't have less enough. Second thing is this, write this down, write this down, write this down. We gotta start looking, looking. You got to look to fulfill orders. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, there was a man who was crippled. And because he was crippled, the only thing that he could do for a living was beg. And they took this crippled man who was crippled from birth and they put him outside of the church. Now I'll preach right there. Because they knew that the church was designed to meet the needs and the hurts and the pains of society. Can I preach for a second? I can't trust the government, man. There ain't going to be no social security for us when we retire. This education system, it's because the government is trying to do things that God never designed the government to do. The church was supposed to be social security. The church said, take care of the widows and the orphans and those that are in need. Part of our frustration with the world is the world's trying to do what we were designed to do. They put him outside of the gate called Beautiful, and he's there. He's saying, alms, alms for the poor. Peter walks by, and he says, look at me. Because this man was so hopeless, he was begging without expecting anybody to respond. He wasn't even, alms for the poor. But I know you're not going to give. You're going to just size me up and say, oh, his shoes are brand new. He must not really be homeless. He don't look that hurt. He don't look that broke. Why don't he go get a job? Why is he out here on this corner begging? Peter said, look at me. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. It says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. I feel like as believers, that's where we stop. People around us, yes, they need joy. They're battling with depression and discouragement or whatever and baby. But I got just enough joy for myself. I got about 17 days of joy left. That's about all I have. Now, the problem is there's 18 days left in 2019. I have no idea what I'm going to do with the last day of the year, but I will deal with that when I get there. I have just enough for me. I barely have enough for me. How can I meet somebody else's needs when I can't meet my own needs? He said, silver and gold have I not, but he didn't stop there. He said, what I do have. What do you have? God's not asking you what you don't have. He's asking you, what do you have? And Peter said, this is what I do have. I have the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, he grabbed him by the hand and said, be healed. And the Bible says that his legs became became strong and he stood up and danced into church with them. Stop focusing on what you don't have. And figure out what you do have. I remember... Before I worked uh, in ministry full-time, I was a youth pastor at a church, but it wasn't enough to kind of sustain my salary, so I, I worked at an insurance company. And I, I honestly owed them money because I would sit in my cubicle and I would listen to messages and I would draw out pictures of churches that I was going to build one day. I did not do any work for that company. Don't, <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> but I remember, I was, it, it, it was wild. I'm sitting... Uh, in my cubicle, and I'm listening to a message by a guy named Prophet Damon Thompson. 
and he is preaching about the healing supernatural power of God and how God's anointing is on your life. And I'm having church in my cubicle. Next thing I know, my manager walks in with a full body brace. And I'm like, what happened to you? Got in a car accident last night. I think I slipped the disc. I don't know what's going to go on. I got to go in. And I'm like, oh, gosh. (laughs) And I'm looking at you. You've been here before. Listening to a message on healing. Saying amen. Looking at somebody who needs healing. Oh, this ain't my, no, 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 this ain't, this ain't, I don't don't want this trouble. I'm 22. My name is not Benny Hinn. (laughs) I don't snatch people out of wheelchairs and throw canes around the room. That ain't my calling. (laughs) The Bible says the same power that lives in me, that lives in me is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So she goes, hobbles off to her. Every scream, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, punk. Punk, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? I'm gonna sit right here and I'm gonna pray for it. God heal her. God said no. Finally, after about an hour wrestling with God, I said, okay, I got, I mean, what's to lose? They gonna fire me for praying for somebody? Let's. So I walk into her office hoping that nobody was in there. She was having a meeting with like three other people. I walk in, she's like, Stephen, do you need anything? I say, no, no, I'll come back. She's like, no, come on in, come on. <laughs> she's like, what did you need? It's like, um, they all knew I was Christian and all. I was like, I just, uh, I just wanted to pray for your back. She's like, oh yeah, come on over. <laughs> so I go over and, and she was a lovely lady. <laughs> she smoked a pack a day. <laughs> And you could just smell, you know, it was, she was great. I loved her. I loved her. I really did. She was so good to me. So I went over and I went to put my hand on her shoulder. And she gets up out the chair, ah! turns to me and goes, pray. <laughs> and I'm like, this just got real, real fast. And I'm not going to lie to y'all. I put my hand on her back and I prayed the weakest prayer you've ever heard in your life. I said, God, uh, you said in your word that the same power that raised Christ from, I prayed just this loud, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And God, I pray that you'd heal her back right now. God, I pray that you'd heal her supernaturally in her. I'm like, get me out of here. In Jesus' name. She said, ah, thank you. I walk back to my desk feeling this small. I don't have healing. I can't heal anybody. An hour goes by. I'm on the phone with a client. She went out for one of her smoke breaks. <laughs> Listen, this is just me being me. I don't smoke, but can I take a break every hour? Like, it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> she comes back after her smoke break. I'm on the phone with a client. She gets in front of my cubicle. She starts going like this and like this. And she starts walking around. Stephen healed me. Stephen healed me. All the pain is gone. And I'm like, first of all, Stephen didn't do squat. Second of all, I'm like, how did you do something from? That was bad. And God says, I don't need much. I just need 
someone who is looking for an opportunity to give out more than they've received. You don't need a healing anointing. You don't need an anointing at all because you have the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling inside of you. Stop focusing on what you don't have. I, I don't have much. God's not much. Because you do have him. The last thing is this, recognize your limitless source. One of the reasons why we're not really eager to impact other people is because we don't feel like we have what it takes. I, I, I'm not a healing evangelist. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't read my entire Bible. I skip all the little, you know, the little genealogy giants. I can't pronounce those names. I just, this is seventh year I've read the whole Bible through. I'm yet to read Lamentations. It's depressing. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like another reason why we don't look to fulfill the orders or the needs of the people around us is because we're looking at what's in our hand and it's not that much. It's like, God, how do you expect me to be a blessing to other people? Where can we just be real? We in church, I don't feel that blessed. Because I want to send my kids to this school and I want to get them this car and I want to do this and I want to do that and I can't afford it. God, I don't feel really blessed right now watching this documentary and they're saying that the average fulfillment center 1.2 million square feet 59 uh, football fields has over 1 million products that are sitting on the shelf just waiting for you to click buy now so it could be at your house by the end of the day and like i said they watch your zip code to determine what this area they literally know that this is a vaseline community this is a cocoa butter community and y'all some jerkins folks like everybody you know just how do you deal with your ash like you know light-skinned people get ashy i never knew it's like it was like a revelation you don't i know that's a lie that's <laughs> okay i'm getting way off script but here's what happens. When there's product in the fulfillment center that is not being purchased, they remove that product. Come on now, here's a little bit of business degree that I have, supply chain management. Anybody in retail, you know the most expensive thing to your bottom line is product sitting on a shelf that's not selling. Because you've already paid the manufacturer for it, but you haven't sold it, so there's no revenue in it. It's just sunk cost. The worst thing you can have is product sitting on the shelf. So they make sure it's not sitting on the shelf. They send it, you're going to catch this, right when it's needed to be ordered, and they don't send it a day early, and they don't send it a day late because they don't want it sitting there. And matter of fact, if it sits there too long, they call it back from that fulfillment center, and they send it to somebody who will give it away because they don't want it to sit on that shelf. And by the way, when the fulfillment center stops fulfilling orders, they shut the center down because it was designed to fulfill orders, not to hoard and to consume and to hold on to itself. We feel like, God, when you give me more than enough, then I'll be generous to other people. God says, no, when you're generous to other people, then I will give you more than enough. I'm not blessing you for blessings to just sit on your shelf. It's not my goal for you to amass a bunch of, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did. Well, what are you doing with it? No, it's just my trophy case. 
God says, I don't do trophy cases of blessings. When I bless you, it's so that you can be a blessing to other people. And if you would be someone who's quick to give it away, pastor, I don't have money, but that's not the only thing you can give away. You can give away your business idea that you learned the hard way. Don't make somebody else learn the hard way. You can give away wisdom that you've learned in raising children, in your marriage, in your joy. You have something to give. But don't miss the pain of this lifestyle. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord, then they would go to their home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. How many kids did she ask God for? I just, I, I'm, I, I don't have any. I just want one. But God, if you give me that one, I'll give them back to you. God says, because you didn't ask to hoard onto yourself, but you asked to be a blessing. As you read it, Samuel to this day was considered one of the greatest priests in the history of Israel. He anointed Saul. He anointed David. He ushered in the coming of the Messiah. All from this one woman said, God, if you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. And God says, there's no way you're going to give something back to me that I'm not going to multiply 30, 60, and 100 fold. You asked for one son, I'm going to give you three plus two daughters. She asked for one, she had six kids. But don't miss the pain. Because Samuel, when he was weaned, she took him to the temple and she left him. And the Bible says she would come back once a year and she would make little priestly garments in his size and she would come and she would dress him up in his new garment. But after the time of worship was over, she would go home. I can't imagine the pain of believing God for a child and not having one, but can you imagine compounded the pain of after you get that child, you don't get to raise them? And God says, when you give it back to me, I'll multiply it back to you. But hear me, there is a sacrifice in living a blessed life. God says, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross. Paul said it this way, it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life that I live, I now live through the Father, and if you see me, you're gonna see Jesus. So it's gonna mean that I'm gonna to have to say no to some opportunities that other people say yes to. It means that I am going to miss out on some things that other people get to do and I just don't get to do it. And you know what? It is what it is because the way that God is blessing me and moving supernaturally in my life, it is worth it. Let's make a decision. God, if you bless me, it will not get stuck in my hands. I'm going to make sure it's distributed to where you've called it to be. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you would trust us enough as your people here on earth. God, to be an answer to the pain, to the lack, to the confusion, to the depression, to the discouragement around us. God, we're not a problem. God, we're the solution. God, I pray right now that you would give us revelation to see God, that we are your fulfillment centers here on earth. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you.
I feel for all of us, God is saying, what do you have? Don't be so consumed in what you don't have. What do you have that you can give away? That you can use to point somebody else to Jesus? For some of you, God is asking, can you give the most valuable thing you have? That's not your money. That's your life. Some of you have never given God full control of your life. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church your whole life. You probably could have preached this message better than I do. You know the benediction and all that. But if you were to be honest, you're still the one calling the shots in your life. Or maybe you're new to church. You're just checking this all out. This is a little bit overwhelming. Like, what does God want from me? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants the authority to lead your life. You see, believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. Making him the Lord of your life makes you, what does Lord mean? It means the controller. So if you're in here, you say, Pastor, I've never surrendered my life to Christ, but, but I'm ready to take that step. I'm tired of doing this on my own. If that's you, right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me the most valuable gift ever. And that's your son, Jesus, dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for accepting me. Today, I surrender. I give you my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision they could ever make in your life? Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.